Thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. Your host this week, myself, Lee, and... Reed. On the Salt and Slam, I introduce you. On this one, you introduce yourself. Oh. Reed, I feel like a weight of the world has been lifted from my shoulders, as at the end of this episode, we don't have to talk about the existential crisis that is near Automata. Uh, we still can't agree on how it's supposed to be pronounced, but neither can the internet, so what the fuck. Um, if you haven't listened to it, the Near Automata Complete podcast is available now, all four parts of our conversation, edited painstakingly together with musical interludes. Uh, it's available now, where, it's, you, where it's, you're listening to this. It's there. It's right it's below it. It's very nice. Go listen to it. Oh, thank you, Reed. So nice of you. Uh, but we move on to our next focus of game. Yeah, that's a sentence. Uh, today, which is... Fallout New Vegas. But before we get to that, plenty of other things to talk about, such as, what have we been playing? Reed, you are biding your time until Doom Eternal is here next Friday. Like, I can't... Even every game I play, it's like... It's like having sex and you can't stop thinking about something else. <laughs> it's exactly Can't stop like thinking that. about... Uh, like a Doom. Day. It's like having sex. It's like... No, it's like you're having sex, but you're worried about taxes or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Welcome to my life. So I'm playing, uh, uh, right now I'm playing two different games. I'm playing, I should say, I'm stopping to play uh, Greedfall. Greedfall. I, stop me when I'm wrong okay. about what Greedfall is. Greedfall is a third-person shooter? No. Fuck. Greedfall is a third-person action game? Yes. Third-person uh, action RPG. Set in like an alternate universe colonial America? Yes. Okay. Um, it's surprisingly more role-play-y than I anticipated. So, so, so yeah, it looked more like a, uh, a Divinity. Not the original Sin, mind you, the old Divinity. No, it, uh, or what, like a Risen. What like the more best, of a... Yeah, what the best I could uh, compare it to would be Two Dragon worlds. Age Inquisition. Oh, okay. That, so Dragon Age Inquisition is a good version of all the games I've mentioned. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's an action RPG, but you have the ability at any time to stop the combat and select an action on a particular target. Yeah. And the well, like go smoke a cigarette or get a drink yeah. or something. Um, so it's surprisingly roleplay. Like I said before, you can do multiple builds for your characters. You can do a straight melee character, a gun-focused character. You can do a character that only focuses on traps. Uh, Okay. Time freezing, so or it's one of those, or magic, or yeah. But you can build any combination of that. So, what is the actual plot? What are you and what are you doing in this um, game? So you belong to what is basically you could say like England or something, and you're the niece you of to England. You're the niece of like the local ruler. You're uh, a niece. You're the niece you or the nephew. Okay. You can choose your sex and your character and everything. But I'm thinking um, about taxes the of the time. local of the local leader like i said i'm not sure the exact name it'd be like the equivalent of like a baron or something so not quite the king but okay. step below that some sort yeah so you're a, a legate so you're going with uh your cousin on an expedition to a newly discovered island sure where you have where some of your people have already established a colony there and you're basically there to make sure everything runs smoothly and everybody's happy and hunky dory yeah. and you're there to establish connections between this colony and any local villages is it so are there monsters on the island? Yes, there okay, are monsters. Okay. So there's like werewolves, giant uh, <laughs> fiend-looking things from which are three. Um, but this is all fairly new to the people from uh, that aren't on this island. It seems to be exclusive to this island. But so magic like, is not. It's not a foreign concept. Like, you train in magic and everything. Okay, so it's like Order 1886? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot it's like a Order 1886. But with uh, with some magic and shit. It's, yeah. a lot, it's, it's, a, it's a mix of fantasy and 17th century aesthetic. Sure. And will you continue playing this, or is this something you are thinking of dropping before this weekend, even? Uh, 
it was pop like when it came out people like jumped on it for what it was it's obviously a, a yes, more of a budget title yes but. it's perfectly competent and i enjoyed the time i had with it they're tr- you can tell the people that made this game are trying very hard and they yeah. took a lot Just of inspiration don't have the resources that maybe yeah Sony and they took a lot of inspiration from what your three as far as side quests go like they're yeah. all very fleshed out lots of dialogue it's just not as interesting as Witcher 3 because Witcher 3 has that next level writing yeah. that you don't find in a game like this. But I would say the writing in this is like way better than something like Ubisoft. How are the baths? The baths? The baths. They're non-existent. Not even, not even close. Um, uh, yeah, what else did you play? Nothing. I'm playing um, the Final Fantasy Remaster on oh, PS4. This is what you want to do, eh? Oh, so we're going to get go into this, this already. Well, um, I got the goost uh, to play Final Fantasy VIII. I don't know why. Remaster. Remaster, yeah. So they, they did this Final Fantasy VIII remaster because they had apparently lost the master copy of Final Fantasy VIII somewhere along the line. They found it. Uh, they improved all the, the avatars in the game. They improved the faces foremost, but any any character that moves around in the game kind of pops now because uh, they've been giving like a semi-HD kind of refresh. Yeah, and that's, a, uh, that's the same for all Final Fantasy. Yeah, so 7, 8, and 9. Yeah. Uh, so there is a, a Switch 2-pack now where you can get 7 and 8 together. Yeah. Uh, so I picked that up. And I'm okay. Let's let's play Final Fantasy. VIII. And what I wanted to do was just kind of do a speed run, not like by the books. I'm hitting everything. Whatever. I just wanted to be like, I want to see how far I can get. Maybe if I play this game for two and a half hours, I want to see how far I can. Ch- just just with my knowledge of the game weaknesses, the draw system, the junction system, how far can I get? And I'm immediately turned off. Read. <laughs> Uh, as I see the uh, the con- the controls pop up, and I see that map to the left stick is a three times speed button. Whatever, got it. Uh, they did that to Zodiac Age Two, Final Fantasy Twelve. Let's be honest here. This is these games ran on old hardware. It's fucking bizarre that that speed up button also speeds up loads. I, that just seems weird to me. I always thought that like the it loading does. screens are based on the hardware. So if I'm playing this game on a PS4 or a PC or a Switch, those loads will just be instant. No, it's it's based on the game. Speed. Uh, so they have the speed thing. They have a no encounter option, which is clicking both sticks in. I personally fucking love that addition to yeah. these games. Um, uh, and then the thing that I do have a problem with that we'll talk about a little bit, which is the right stick, which in Final Fantasy VIII gives you your limit breaks and immediately heals your party and, and fills their ATV. It's gauge. somewhat similar to both at 7 and 9. There, yeah. They refill your health. Okay, so... Let's not get into this too deep because no. we have so much to talk about today. But let's talk about the remasters themselves. Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. You, for some reason, are playing it, I guess, in lieu of the new game. Yeah, the remake came out. I've been listening to the OST and I was like... Oh, I played the demo, by the way. Yeah. It was good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Didn't have nearly the difficulty that you and uh, Rod proposed to oh, have. Oh, I thought but, it was... Uh, I'm not uh, saying it's like fucking Dark Souls or anything like no. that, but I think it's more difficult than I was anticipating. Anyway. Yeah, I was just listening to a lot of the OST, the remake, and I was like, man... I haven't played Final Fantasy VII in a long time. I really, really like that game. Dare I say I love it. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to do another playthrough. <laughs> and I did, and it's still just as fun and great as I remember. I forgot how just wacky and weird that whole world is. So this is interesting. How far are you? Um, I'm in Shinra HQ right now, but to okay. rescue Eris. So you're still in the Midgar portion of the beginning yeah, of the so, game. Yeah, and this is one of something I want to talk about. Part one of the remake is going to be just Midgar, right? right? So I'm you're gonna, already blown through I'm going to be done Midgar before eight hours are up. That's what I was kind of been saying this yeah, whole time. Yeah, but, but like, people are like, oh, well, you know, Midgar, you play on PS1, is like 20 hours. No, it's fucking not. No, it's not. It's like yeah. eight or ten. It's like I'm going to say five to eight at most. No, I would say ten if you're really taking your time and talking to everybody. Which, who does that? 
Well, I'd say a lot of people talk to everybody, but and like not ru- no, I don't want to say rushing through it, but you don't really know what you're doing. The the idea that uh, Biggs Wedge and Jesse probably died in the hour thirty mark of you playing it, and then having them establish those characters in this remake to maybe then die in the equipment. We don't. We have no idea. No, they die in hour three. <laughs> okay, sorry. on the original. On, I would the... say no. I would say they die like hour five in original. Sure. But you only see him a few times. I feel like it's shorter than that. Or maybe you just more thorough. No, I, after, li- I yeah. literally just played this yesterday. Yeah. After a certain time, point, if you've played the game a bunch of times, you, you don't really necessarily talk to anybody who doesn't give you something, yeah. right? And like I said about Pokemon no encounters, rules. I think it's the optimal way to play. It started, the trend started with Bravely Default in the 3DS. It's the, it's my opinion, the ultimate, the optimum way to play these games. You turn off no encounters, you go through the area, you get the items that you want, no stress. If you want to grind at the end, Turn it back on, spin yeah, in circles. Fine with that. Yeah, uh, I love that. Yeah, so my, my issue comes with uh, that used to be an unlockable thing in certain games. So that C7 has a, a no encounter materia, doesn't it? Or something? Yeah, it's a super late that. game. You get super late. Uh, and then in Final Fantasy VIII, you learn it through Diablos. Yes. Uh, gives you Or Diablo. Uh, gives you the no encounter thing you have to equip as an ability. Uh, I just want a way to turn those toggles off. They did a Final Fantasy VIII on Steam that gave you like a, uh, a magic pack. So you basically. Fire up the game, and it's like, hey, do you want this this freebie? And if you select yes, it gives you a bunch of high-level magic at the beginning of the game. So you have, like, Kiraga and spells like oh, this shit. to start the game. So when you're junctioning something to magic, you can give Squall, like, 140 magic out of the gate. You hit effort with one blizzard, and he explodes. It's just over. Yeah. Uh, my... Yeah, so like like the argument we had yesterday was just don't push the buttons. Just don't like, use it. I'm fine with the speed increase because I'm going to be toggling that on and off for, for loads into the ATB. It also speeds up your enemies. It's not. It's just saving you time. It's yeah. not an advantage or disadvantage. The no encounters, I get it. There are certain parts of the game that are meant to be timed and the encounters are part of that. So like in Doolit or, uh, or Doolay. You never heard these things pronounced out loud. Uh, they need to make a Final Fantasy VIII movie. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't make that. Don't make that. Uh, or the uh, the Odin uh, area there where you're going through Tonberries and stuff, trying to get to Odin in a certain Yes, but time. if you're going to do that, you, like, if you're not... If you're then not you equip the no-encounter thing. From, on Diablo. Yeah, right. I think that's a little bit mute at that point. I think... Yeah. So this, it, it just fundamentally, in my core, turned me off from playing this version of Final Fantasy VIII. Right. And we had a big army yesterday, because yeah. I don't... I, you're like, just don't push the button. Just don't <laughs> use it. Like, I don't understand the difference. But I don't understand why they couldn't just make it completely... But I, I understand... It's I want to play the game as it was, no speed increase, no no right. encounters. But my argument is, if you don't ever use those options, it's the exact same way as playing on PS4. You're right. But you're right. there's something in but the, the back... But the Steam version gave me the choice of right. taking the But there's the something in the back of your head saying, I have these options, and it bugs you for whatever yes. reason. Yes. To, to my core. Yeah, so we won't no. argue about it any yes. further than that. Also, the remaster's weird, uh, because only... Ca- so there's uh, the part where Sid and Quistus are talking to you before you leave on your first mission with Zell, and he is part of the background and not given a remaster, and then everybody standing in the front is popping out in, like, HD. It's fucking weird, and that happens a few times in that game. Uh, so do I recommend the re- remaster? If you have no other way to play Final Fantasy VIII, fucking knock yourself out. Uh, but otherwise, I would say grab a grab an older copy. I, the this, Vita version of the PS1 Classic. That's the way to go. Uh, I no, I yes, I play the way I first ever played through of FF8 was the PSP version that I played on the Vita. Yeah. There is no Vita version of Final Fantasy VIII. No. Yeah, it's it was PS3, PSP. It was version. it was fine with a few exceptions. Um, the back touchpad, yeah, they would, suck. Would fuck up your shit big time in that game. So you have to manually go into the game. 
and turn off touchpad. Oh, controls. weird! It's almost Otherwise, like you can touch something by accident. No, other because if you if you're accidentally touching the wrong area right and away. then you press attack, your character won't do anything. It'll just stand there. Yeah. So like when I first downloaded this game and I didn't know. Also, to it. escape from battle is to to touch the touchpad on yeah. each side. It was little, horrible. Little it was horrible. But uh, it was it was fine after turning off those options. I had a great time with FF8. Yeah, see some options. And I'm you hear, sure you hear that square. And I'm sure options. One, I'm sure one day um, will our spotlight, whatever we call it, when we focus on sure. a game, will be Final Fantasy VIII because there's a lot I mean, to talk. about. It could about. be all of them at some point. Like there's there is a lot to talk but about. But I think like eight is because it's not. I wouldn't say it's bad or good or anything like that. It's just really interesting to keeping talk about. with the uh, the near automata theme of hey, let's talk about these games that some people pass by for completely uh, well, people just incorrect say, reasons. People just yeah. say FF8 Junction bad, don't play. Yeah. But there's so much more to talk about in that game. How I do, I do have to say that the way the junction system is presented in Final Fantasy VIII versus how other games tutorialize, like other Final Fantasy games tutorialize, you get to the gate and Quistus is just like. I'm going to talk to you for ten minutes Here's about how all this works. shit, and then you get to the fire cavern, and she's like, "Okay, let's let's talk about yeah, it again." And then and you, it's a bit much. You look at uh, something like FF10, or like, "Okay, we're going to introduce the sphere grid first, then you can do multiple hours of that." Right. Now we're in- going to introduce like the sphere grid is also visually just easier. Easy. Yeah, it's the, follow this path and the put very in shit. like muted like the gray and black menu in Final Fantasy VIII fits the game, but compared to like even Final Fantasy VII yeah. is. And then like not nice to look at. Yeah, and yeah. Final Fantasy VII, it's like, okay, you're gonna play the game for a bit, then we'll introduce materia, then you can yeah. play, then we'll introduce relics, blah blah blah. Yes. Um Final Fantasy X, then we'll introduce after the sphere grid customization of weapons, yep. stuff like that. Final FF8 is just like, here's all this shit absorbing. Swing for the fences in a way, uh, that was its to its own detriment. But I digress. Yeah. Uh, was that all you uh you played this this week? Yeah, I keep playing more Doom. <laughs> cool. Uh so Division Two, I'm at up to level twelve now. Oh. Uh, cleaning up some quests. Oh yeah, baby. Uh, the story in that game continues to do nothing for me, but the fun Were had you with expecting friends. It too? No, not at all. I'm just saying, if that's what you're after in a game like this, there are games that do that far better. Uh, and then, of course, had a birthday bash last Friday night, uh, where the the classics are dragged out. Nidhogg Two, if you haven't checked that game out, is a head to head. Uh, like battling game. I know about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great game, a lot of fun. And then we had our Windjammers tournament for the Windjammers frisbee. I fought uh, valiantly to come back from a uh, almost a loss in the first set. Defeated one of my friends. Uh, lost uh, into the next match, and the uh, it was retained by Arlie. Arlie retained the Windjammers uh, disc. A lot of good rallies. Uh, some that went like multiple second, like thirty seconds long, almost lasted the entire clock. I've never played Windjammers. I have no idea what you're talking about. Windjammers is fucking. But fantastic. I'm on the edge of my seat, baby. <laughs> it's it's one v one frisbee volleyball. It's basically pong with anime. Nice. If, if I can describe it as anything. Nice. Uh, there's a Windjammers 2 coming soon. So that's more or less what I played, other than the aforementioned Final Fantasy VIII. Didn't have a lot of time to play video games. I've uh, been picking away at Pocket Camp and, and Pokemon Home, trying to complete my Pokedex. Like, we're both just waiting to March 20th. It, there's a lot of kicking rocks down the... But I think, as of today, uh, I'm going to go back to, to Fallout New Vegas. And I'm going to talk about something real quick. The Ultimate Edition of Fallout New Vegas, which I have, on the 360, no problem. On the Xbox One, for some reason, some of the DLC is, like, region-based... So it, I'll install it all, and every fourth time I log into that game, all my DLC will load properly. The rest of the time, it does not. It only loads, like, three different DLC packs. It's fucking frustrating as hell. And when I go to the store, it says I don't own those other packs, even though they are installed on the machine. So I might just bite the bullet and fucking rebuy Fallout New Vegas 
for the bazillionth time. It's on <laughs> Game Pass, so I have the base game for free. My good old trusty 360 disc copy has never let me down. No. Uh, what I have is the 360. It's like the ultimate 360 slash Xbox One version of it uh, that has all the DLC, including Gunrunners and, and all the extra stuff. So anyway, uh, quick spot of news before we, uh, we continue on. We're using Mozilla Firefox for the news today, so let's hope that it's fun. Uh, unannounced Star Wars game appears to leak via PlayStation Network. There's people watching. Uh, the, uh, Star Destroyers, <laughs> ATSs, <laughs> fucking Star Wars. Star dude. Wars Project Maverick uh, listing reportedly added to European PSN. Someone saw this thing go up. Apparently, they are there are two Star Wars games in production right now. A sequel to Jedi Fallen Order because EA's like, hey, we made five dollars on that. Quickly, rush out a sequel. Uh, and then whatever Project Maverick is. So all we have is this one image. Uh, we are told it's a smaller game, maybe a sim game, who knows. Uh, why isn't there a Star Wars sim game where you like run a shipping depot or like you gotta do the, the Kessel Run? I'm so fucking sick of Star Wars, man. I like I can't. Like I don't understand <laughs> physically hurts. You. Like one of the most celebrated and beloved Star Wars games of all time, the Kotar series, takes place thousands of years before anything resembling the movies or shows or anything like that, and it's beloved because they're allowed to do whatever the fuck they want and they don't have to mess with current canon and you're not restricted in any way you can do whatever you want and it's great every fucking star wars game that came out since like uh 2010 must take place between episodes three and four well disney gave the light exclusive license to ea with the idea that hey these are going to be commercial games based on the movies that are coming out yeah like i i hate it i there's there's, like, you can't do anything because you can't fuck with movie canon. So, right. Yeah, like, whatever. Whatever. I'm done talking off Star Wars. Moving on. <laughs> uh, the uh, CEO of Pets.com bought that Nintendo PlayStation for $360,000. Holy shit. He will not be donating it uh, to a museum, but plans to make his own gaming museum. So this is how he's going to start it. This on a pedestal in a glass case in the middle. Can you play it? Like, is there any games for there it? There are some uh, some demo games with it, apparently. Yes. I don't know if it's like any full game or anything like that. Um, yeah, I don't. Games exist for this thing. There's things popping around uh, that are either like Super Nintendo ports or just like crap demos or bugs or whatever. Uh, apparently, this guy who, who found this thing turned down over a million dollars because he thought it would go for more at auction. And joke's on him because it basically made a million less than he was offered. So, hey, you know, you take a, take a chance. Rip in pieces. Let's talk about Nintendo former president Reggie Fils-Aimé, who is coming out of retirement to join GameStop's board of directors, along with apparently a guy from a pet store and something else. Anyways, they are uh, assembling a team to try to help write GameStop. Uh, so write GameStop? Well, they're it's a fucking thing. They this came, this story came out the same day where they were just like we're closing two hundred stores. Like oh. so. Uh, well, you know, it's almost like people buy their shit off Amazon and digitally, like. It, the thing with GameStop uh, seems to be less about the overall because people are like, oh, it's an indication of like brick and mortar. It's like it's that's simply not the case. They are moving towards a certain. If you go into a GameStop now, it's one third, two thirds pop figures and like shirts and stuff. It's not games. The simple writing of the ship here is just to be like fucking throw that shit out. And put fucking games in the store. Yeah. You know, like when you were successful. Uh, I'm not giving them any hints or anything, of course. All the best to Reggie on, on his new job. Uh, would hate to see 
you know, GameStop go completely under with Reggie at the helm. Everybody likes Reggie, right? Anyway, uh, all the best to him and his new appointment. Could you imagine retiring and then coming out of, like, to do something like that? I don't... The check they must have cut him. Yep, must have been a big one. Call of Duty Warzone is free-to-play Battle Royale, and it is out now, and apparently it's pretty fantastic. You can check that out on the uh, the PSN Xbox. I'm sure I would care if I cared about Battle Royales, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently it's quite good. I don't know if uh, our, our resident Call of Duty enthusiast Nick has tried this out yet, uh, but I might download it and try it out this weekend. Who knows? Well, it's free. What are you going to do? Speaking of uh, free? No. Uh, E3 2020 will not happen. It has been cancelled over coronavirus concerns. Uh, there are many reasons why you could have believed that E3 2020 was going to be cancelled. The coronavirus is just one of them. Uh, this off the heels, of course, I am 8-bit following the lead of one Jeff Keighley saying, hey, whatever they're doing with this show, we're not interested in trying to make their lame shit cool. We're out. That's paraphrasing, of course. Of course, they're much more professional in their uh, their message than that. But that, that's why Jeff left is because he's just like... Creative differences. There's so much dumb shit but on But when here. you read the statements from both Jeff and I am 8-bit... And you, you see the pointed language being used. You can only imagine behind closed doors what the fuck is going on with this show. But hey, now you don't have to worry about it. You get a whole year to figure out what you want E3 to be. Uh, so obviously I will not be heading out to E3 this year. Kind of counting my blessings because LA has become more of a cesspit of homelessness and awful... <laughs> Listen, I, as someone who's been to Los Angeles eight, nine, ten times. I've been there a lot of times. Uh, I have seen the steady decline of... Because I'm only seeing a, a snippet of Los Angeles for a week every year. And you're just seeing like, man, so there's a homeless encampment there. Oh, hey, look, it's got bigger. Oh, hey, people are, you know... It's it's a mess there. And they're hosting the Olympics in a few years. So E3 aside, LA needs to get their fucking acting gear here. <laughs> uh, or E3 just needs to appear somewhere else. Obviously, everyone who's going to attend in, in terms of the... Uh, you know, the press conferences and the directs, as it were, those are all still going to happen. There will still be things around E3. The true people that are hurt by this, uh, I want to say, are the little guys, the people who do things in, in person. One of the best parts of E3 is just seeing the people from the industry you talk to 365 days a year. Uh, and it's nice to see them face-to-face, take them for dinner, shoot the shit in person uh, instead of back and forth in an email. That kind of stuff will be missed. Um, I Shout out to Giant Bomb, who does a, like late night stream for hours like four or five hours every night at e3 interviewing all the people who are there in town that's not going to happen those are truly the things i uh, miss out on and then the things that we will truly miss are the things we'll never know about it's the indie publishers that don't get to get in front of nintendo and pitch their game or sign a publishing deal uh these are all the things that we'll never know uh get buried by this so in that in that case e3 being canceled kind of a bummer but listen this is the way to go man and uh it's crazy to think that this is in june and that we have WrestleMania happening a month before this with no indication that they would cancel the event or access sure. uh, when all the conventions being shut down. So we'll see what happens, uh, but no E3 this year. That is it for the news read. God damn. <sighs> here we are. It's time to start a new game. I'm going to take a little sippy. Take a little sippy here. Some dead air. <laughs> Some dead air. Some dead space. War. War never changes. When atomic fire consumed the earth, those who survived did so in great underground vaults. When they opened, their inhabitants set out across the ruins of the old world to build new societies, establish new villages, form new tribes. As decades passed, what had been the American Southwest united beneath the flag of the new California Republic, dedicated to old world values, democracy, and the rule of law. 
As the Republic grew, so did its needs. Scouts spread east, seeking territory and wealth in the dry and merciless expanse of the Mojave Desert. They returned with tales of a city untouched by the warheads that had scorched the rest of the world and a great wall spanning the Colorado River. The NCR mobilized its army and set it east uh, to occupy the Hoover Dam and restore it to working condition. But across the Colorado, another society had arisen under a different flag. A vast army of slaves forged in the conquest of 86 tribes, Kaisar's Legion. Four years have uh, passed since the Republic held the dam just barely against the Legion's onslaught. The Legion did not retreat. Across the river, they gathered strength. Campfires burned. Training drums beat. Through it all, the New Vegas Strip has stayed open for business under the control of a mysterious overseer. Mr. House and his army of rehabilitated tribals and police robots. You are the courier, hired by the Mojave Express to deliver a package to the New Vegas Strip. What seemed like a simple delivery job has taken a turn for the worse. <laughs> Fault in New Vegas, baby. So, right away, <laughs> I'm just going to say outright. Out of all of the Bethesda fallouts and the Elder Scrolls, this is so by and far the best one, in my opinion, anyway, that it's not even c- close. It's take any of those games with any of the great gameplay, great, but New Vegas has the that obsidian writing. Right. So and it's uh, unfucking touchable. The let, let's break down the fourth wall here and just kind of set up this game for what it is. Uh, Fallout New Vegas, our new feature on the podcast here, is a post-apocalyptic action role-playing game. It is a spin-off of the Fallout series and was developed by Obsidian Entertainment, who you might know for Kotar 2. Kotar 2. Uh, most recently, Outer Worlds. Yes, they also uh, done... A um, number of games. Yeah, I'm trying to think, but I can't think <laughs> now because I'm in uh, the... Published in the by seat. Bethesda Softworks. Uh, it was re- uh, announced in April of 2009 and released for PC, PS3, and 360 on October 19th of 2010. The game is set in a post-apocalyptic open-world environment that encompasses a region consisting of parts of Nevada, California, and Arizona. It is set in a world that deviated onto an alternate timeline thanks to Atomic Age technology, which we'll get into a little bit in a second, which eventually led to its devastation by a nuclear apocalypse in the year of 2077 in an event referred to as the Great War. This war uh, was caused by a major international conflict between the United States and China over natural resources. The main story of New Vegas takes place in the year 2281, Four years after the events of Fallout 3, it is not a direct sequel, uh, but it does mark the return of several elements found in the Black Isle Studios-developed Fallout 2. Yes, because this one is very closely related to Fallout 2, who, from what I understand, lots of people who worked on Obsidian New Vegas also worked on Fallout 2. Um, Absolutely. There's lots of similarities between them. Uh, Fallout 2 and Fallout New Vegas are really the only games that mention... uh, the concept of tribes in the wasteland mm-hmm. um, being people basically reverted back to an older time where they would be somewhat primitive, just kind of go on campsites and hunt animals and shit. Just living, man. Yeah, whereas Fallout <laughs> 1, 3, 4, it's, they don't really touch upon that in any great detail. It's going to hit the second paragraph a little and then we'll, we'll spin out. Sure. Uh, players take control of a character known as The Courier. While transporting a package across the Mojave Desert, To the city of New Vegas, the courier is ambushed, robbed of the package, shot in the head, and left for dead. After surviving, the courier begins a journey to find their would-be killer and recover the package, makes friends and enemies among various factions, and ultimately becomes caught up in a conflict that determines who will control New Vegas and the Mojave Desert, or not. Yeah, or not. (laughs) Uh, So, yes, uh, from a gameplay point of view, uh, primarily a first-person game like Bethesda games before it. You can play in third-person, but it's very janky. It's a little janky, yeah. Uh, A little. uh, Yeah, guns, (laughs) melee, uh, speech, sneak, 
explosive repair, energy explosives. weapons uh, <laughs> all at your uh, ex- disposal just like Fallout 3 uh, there's some enhancements here in terms of gameplay with a iron sights uh, aiming feature weapon mods weapon mods as well uh, these are things that c- continued on into Fallout 4 in some yes. way shape or form that Bethesda did not introduce in 3 yeah. uh, not to shit on 3 Fallout 3 is a great game in its yeah. own right but it's I think it's so different from New Vegas yes atmospherically tonally uh, in many in many many ways yes uh so, as, as we mentioned here, the game opens with a cutscene. Uh, you see your hands are bound. Uh, you hear the speech I gave delivered by Ron Perlman. Uh, in a, in much better than I, I was able to do. Uh, Chandler from Friends is standing there Matthew, in a smoking coat. Matthew Perry playing the... Uh, I don't want to say the main antagonist because he's not really... He's playing no. a antagonist called Benny. Yes. And uh, Benny tells you, you know... Uh, you may think you got dealt a bad hand, but the truth is, the game's been rigged from the start. Daddy-o, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Daddy-o, bang, bang, boom, baby. <laughs> bang, bang, boom, baby. Uh, this guy needs this package you were to deliver to the New Vegas Strip and shoots you in the head and leaves you in a shallow, shallow grave. grave. Uh, thankfully, a robot uh, digs you out. Yeah. Oh, thanks, robot. And brings you to the local town doctor named Doc Mitchell. Who can, reconstructs your face. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the technology in the Fallout universe. As we said, as it's described in Atomic Age technology, so it's kind of like the world from a pop culture point of view is stuck in the 50s, 60s. Atomic family. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the music in the game, however, is from even before that. Yeah. And then in New Vegas, it introduces a lot of music from the real world, mind you. Uh, your Bing Crosby's and stuff that were from a later stage. Yeah, you have to understand that since this game is based in New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, yeah. and stuff like that, um, it has a very hard Western yes. feel and aesthetic to it. Yeah. So not only is it has that atomic family aspect, and it's definitely there, but I would say it's even overshadowed more so by the 50s right. cowboy Western shit they had going on in Vegas. So we have a space age nuclear family thing going on. We have atomic technology. We have fucking cowboys, cowboys. essentially. Yes. Uh, on top of it being the future in a post-apocalypse where you have raiders. And also and, the Roman army. And also the Roman army <laughs> yeah. shows up. Uh, so lots going on in this yeah. game. So if you're not familiar with the Fallout universe, uh, it's based on the tabletop game called Wasteland. We're not going to go into that. No. Uh, there are retrospectives online. One of the best ones is done by game trailers, the defunct game trailers. They have a Fallout retro perspective that will bring you up to speed on all the previous games and it's very thorough and highly recommended and i'd be hard pressed to find anybody listening to this podcast that isn't familiar with fallout Fallout, yeah as we've said before one of the biggest gaming franchises we're going to jump into a lot of concepts here in terms of role playing and we're we're not going to explain what strength is yeah uh it's just inherent that you're going to know what we're talking about yeah so uh, you design your character. Uh, apparently, initially, Asidian was going to actually have baked-in backstories. Not necessarily telling you by the numbers who you are. Sometimes that's nice in a role-playing game if you want some, like a guideline yeah. to think in that terms of that character. Instead, what they've went with is a completely clean slate. Unlike Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, where there was a family There's thing a at backstory. There's a ticking you. clock yeah. uh, as well, where she's like, my son has been taken, or my, my dad gone. is missing. Yeah. Uh, this, this game's like, nope, you're a bum in the wasteland. You got a job. Whether you are a career courier or not, doesn't matter. It doesn't give you... It's, it's not telling you that there's things you should care about, like Fallout 4, like you should care about your son and your wife. Yeah. So I'll tell you, like, you, should. Three, you should care about your dad that run away. You have to care about your dad that run away. Follow New Vegas is a clean fucking slate. All they say is, you were a courier, that's it. Your personality, your emotions, your uh, alignment, how you figure yourself on the alignment chart goes, 
how you approach combat, how you approach people, how you problem solve is all up to you. Yeah, and and your stats. You are <laughs> yes, you organically create the personality of your character through your playthrough, and this is uh, greatly exemplified through the dialogue system. Right. So the writing in this game is the best in the Fallout it's franchise. Not even fucking close. Yeah. Uh, Obsidian is really good at giving you lots of speech options that are very varied, very yes. different. Uh, you can take things in a lot of different uh, situations. And, of course, all the Fallout games and, and Elder Scrolls games have this. But but it's it's the, so much yeah. greater in New Vegas. You have the overly like nice dialogue options where you go you bend your back just to help people. You have the straight man, so you're just like, okay, I can do that for yeah. a few caps. You have the asshole route. You're just like, frig off. You have the psychopath route. <laughs> like, frig off. No, yeah. yeah, you have the psychopath route where you can. I'm, you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to rip off your arms and eat you, and then kill yeah. your dog, and, and then you just everything everywhere in between. And there's also a difference between what you say and what you do because you can play yourself as an exemplar of the wasteland and turn around and blow pe- innocent people's heads off at your whim, and it's going to change how these different factions see you. So New Vegas has a litany of of factions in this game. There are smaller ones, there are bigger ones, there are ones that factor into the end of the game. There are ones that are completely optional. Uh, and they're all over the place. And yeah. how you interact with these people or even their neighbors and, and etc. Yeah. will influence uh, where you can go in the game easily or if people attack you on site. Yeah, uh, so, and this, like, great. I, I, I personally really enjoy the faction system. Mm-hmm. I understand why people some people don't like it. It's very stressful at some points. Yeah. So if there's two warring factions and I help out one... If I help him out too many times, the other one might straight up just refuse to ever talk to me again. Right. And now I'm shoot on sight to them. And so you have to, if you want to be good with everybody, you have to do a very delicate balance of the game. There's uh, some points in the game that give you a uh, do-over. Uh, so, example, when Kaisar invites you to his, his camp, uh, he actually gives you a letter that absolves you of, of any vilification by yeah. the Legion. Uh, so if you decide to get into a shootout with them early in the game and they're now attacking you on site, eventually in the game when you get to the Vegas Strip. Yes, but that's your one and only You're wiped clean, yes. yeah. Uh, so the the main faction you're going to deal with at the beginning of the game is the NCR, the New California Republic. These are guys that are trying to bring back democracy to the United States uh, via military might. Basically, they're just army dudes, soldiers. Yeah, uh, so they were very briefly touched upon, actually, in Fallout 1, I believe. They're, yes. Uh, one of the first camps you go to in Fallout 1 talks about this stuff. Shady Sands, I believe it was called. Wow. And this is what <laughs> ev- eventually developed into the NCR. So, they, yes, they established a democracy kind of. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not bad guys by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. In fact, doing but, quests for them and allying yourself with them at the beginning of the game. Well, there is, is no for your there is yeah. no bad or good guys in no. this game, it, with few exceptions like cannibals. Obviously, bad people. D- depending on how you. But the yeah. main <laughs> factions of the game are very great. Just like current day politics, like wow, there's lots. Of, yeah. <laughs> There's lots of good to come out of a democracy, like the states and stuff, but there's lots of bad out of it, right. like uh, corruption, like um, forcing people into service, Yes, um, taxation on certain places where they can't afford taxation. It's a lot of controlling of the language in that NCR, if you are arrested by them for breaking their rules, again, this is the post-apocalypse, there are no fucking rules, yeah. uh, you're put into servitude. You basically become a slave to the NCR uh, whereas in Kaiser's... Not really. League, You're not really a slave. They're, they're the great cons when you uh, 
fight them in Boulder City when you're trying to get them to stand down. He's just like going with them and being arrested is not an option. It's like ten years of service for what they've done or something. Yeah, the way he describes it. Yes. Uh-huh. So it's it's like an old style, very remnant USA right. military. So the entire game kind of fixates around this New Vegas Strip. Somehow it was unaffected by the warheads that were dropped in 2077. China nukes the United States. That's basically the, the backstory of Fallout and everything that takes place in these games is is hundreds. Uh, year, of years afterwards, yeah. unless it's Fallout seventy six, when it's twenty years later. Anyway, uh, let's let's get back down to it. You find you you wake up, uh, you find yourself in Doc Mitchell. Doc Mitchell. Doc Mitchell reconstructs yeah. your face, so that bullet must have done a number on you. But hey, atomic age it's technology. A great ex- it's a great excuse to to change your character's appearance because right. you're like, let me know if I got it right, and then you choose your appearance. So you stumble through the character creator in this game. Uh, which isn't very robust. You basically it choose your, need your be, face, your hair, your facial you're hair. You're playing in first person 90% yeah. of the time. Or so. you should be, anyway. Yeah. Uh, he then shows you the special Matic or whatever machine. The Vigor machine. Uh, the Vigor machine, yes. uh, where you choose your basic stats. In Fallout, they are based on special strength, perception, endurance. Intelligence. Per- intel- no, I'm at P. Perception. Oh. Uh, intelligence, intelligence. Agility. Luck. Luck. We did it! Uh, all of these stats influence your base stats for your skills, which yeah. are things like small gun proficiency, speech Repair. skill, uh, all your checks you would get in like a D and D esque. Repair, uh, demolition, yeah, survival, speech, uh, speech yeah. uh, sneaking, pickpocketing. Uh, so you choose that. How you spec your character immediately uh, changes how you can interact with characters in the game. So if you are a very low intelligence, a lot of your speech options will be almost unintelligible. You'll just be like, duh. On the flip side, if you have high intelligence, you will get speech checks that uh, have to do with, with your speech. Yeah, or if someone's just like, damn, my radio is broken. Well, if you happen to have 15 points into repair, you have the option to say, hey, I can take a look at that for yeah. you, and you so, can fix it. So that... Uh, more deeply uh, helps flesh out your character, what they're able to do, how they're able to deal with scenarios. Yeah, as opposed to yeah. like Fallout 3 where 90% of checks like that are speech-based only. Yeah. They tried to very much vary that up in New Vegas. So if I'm... Spe- in terms of speaking to a, an NPC, because in, in Fallout 3 there were still definitely things you walked up to and it's like 35 repair to fix yes, this bomb. but now like I can talk to mechanics and if I have high repair skill I can get past something that, right. I, that I couldn't do if I just if, had... If someone's lying to you about a medical... Thing, and I have and a you good, have high medicine skill. You yes, can, you can correct them. Yes, for example. exactly. Uh, so that's something that we'll kind of revisit throughout the game in terms of alternate ways to deal with scenarios. Uh, but we won't really talk about it anymore. When you level up, you get a certain amount, a stipend, if you will, of of these skill points to split however you see fit. Uh, it is not like Oblivion where your skills go up based on what you're doing in the game. Uh, you are directly saying, oh, I want this skill and leveling it up. Yeah. On top of that, you have perks. Every few levels in this game, I think it's every four, two, two, four, eight, whatever. Three. Whatever the hell it is. Uh, you have these perks that are additional gameplay augments. And they go from anything from, hey, you get special speech options when you talk to someone of the opposite sex and you do 10% more damage to them, to, hey... You can oh, eat shit. people now. Yeah, you, you can eat dead bodies now to regain health. You can... That, those are two very extreme examples of what these perks yeah. are. And then uh, some of them will be like accuracy in, increases. There's adamantium skeleton, which I always take. Yeah, if you're wearing glasses, uh, your accuracy increases. So that's not a perk. That's the next thing. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, that Fallout New Vegas has that I believe Fallout 4 had as well, uh, which are further gameplay augments such as Wacky Wasteland and, uh, yeah, Four Eyes or whatever it's called, where if you're wearing glasses, you get plus one perception. If you are not, you get negative one perception. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that further augments for the game or ways to build your character um, 
There, there's uh, skills that give you EXP bonuses on level up. There are ones that give you extra. I always go intelligence personally at the beginning of the game because it gives you more skill points. I always put uh, uh, all mine into charisma. Oh, really? I every most of every playthrough I've done in New Vegas, I always go into it with a very high speech skill. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, usually, if I was playing the game for the first time, for example, I would always go with a high diplomatic character versus something someone that's just for. Uh, battle let's say a murder hobo now that being said uh fallout new vegas introduced something called the hardcore survival mode uh which is an optional thing optional square <laughs> optional thing you can turn on uh which means you have to drink eat sleep uh which isn't as bad as it sounds these are very lenient meters that you have to keep up uh but most importantly healing becomes a problem as stim packs and other healing items don't heal you instantly meaning if you're under heavy fire that could be the end of you um Damage is very much increased. damage to your limbs, head, feet, whatever. Yeah, if you take a, a shotgun blast to the arm, your arm is going to be incapacitated, and you cannot use a stim pack to heal it. You need a doctor's bag. Yeah. There's only so many of those. Uh, so extended periods of wandering the wasteland become that much more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intense. Like I, I like the hardcore mode because I feel like I'm earning every step I'm taking. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, playing on very easy and blasting everyone's heads off. Equally fun in this game. Yeah, everything um, is fun in this game. So Reed tends to play just under normal difficulty, let's yeah. say. I tend to do the hardcore mode uh, so that I'm... It makes you pay more attention to the environment as well because suddenly I'm like, oh shit, a, a box of mashed potatoes. I'll take that. Uh, whereas before you'd be like, oh, that's that's nothing. That's useless. It makes you look at the game in a very different way. Yeah. Uh, if you have the DLC canteen, really handy in the survival mode because you'll take a dri- uh, drink from it when you're uh, thirsty. Uh, these meters, if they fill up, if you have lack of sleep, lack of food... Uh, Etc. They will uh, they will cause detriments to your to your stats. Let's yeah. say uh, so. Now we've gotten a huge thing out of the way. Uh, Doc Mitchell figures figures you out, gets you your vigor machine, uh, asks you shows you an ink blot test, uh, asks you what you see here, asks you some questions that help determine your character just based on those answers, helping shape characters uh, in case the player doesn't want to do it themselves. Uh, after that, he gives you a Pip Boy. Uh, which you might know from the Fallout as series. As he is from a vault. So you're not playing yes. as a vault dweller for like, the first time maybe ever. No, you're a person born in the wastes. Yeah, Fallout yeah. 2, uh, you also don't play as a vault dweller. So. Yeah, you're just a guy, uh, which is nice. So Doc Mitchell <laughs> in terms just says... Of role-playing game. Doc Mitchell says you should check in with Judy at the bar, as she likes to know everybody that comes through town, and this would basically start the main quest for you. Right. But Fallout New Vegas is a very open free game so as soon as i walk out of doc mitchell's house if i wanted to i can say fuck that i'm not talking to judy i'm not talking to anybody i could just run to the strip right so and i could start the main quest from there on yes so on your first playthrough uh it might behoove you as a player of video games to find out who shot you and follow that thread immediately obviously there's some tori- uh, tutorialization at the beginning of the game when you talk to trudy at the bar uh, she will tell you, hey, go talk to Sunny or whatever her name is. She'll teach you how to shoot, give you a rifle, uh, kind of teach you how to survive. Yeah. Um, if you need it, you can, of course, anything in this game is basically skippable. You can kill a lot of these characters. You can, no, there, yeah. Okay, I'll say this right now so we can get this I'm out of the way. I'm say this right now. There is no <laughs> essential NPCs in New Vegas. And what I mean by that, if you played Fallout 3 or Skyrim or Fallout 4. A lot of people going unconscious yes, and shot in the head. There's some people when you shoot them, they just go, this person's unconscious. They'll fall to the ground. And after a certain amount of time, they'll get back up and start walking around again. Why is that, Reed? 
uh, because they are needed for quests. They're essential. You cannot complete the game with us certain characters. Well, New that Vegas, breaks my immersion. Yes. New Vegas <laughs> said, fuck that. Guess what? You can kill everybody in this game. And there are playthroughs, specifically many a tribute on YouTube. Check out his Kill Everything playthrough. He kills literally everything he meets or talks to. Yes, you will fail a lot of quests, but you can complete the main story just fine. A uh, little bit of a light spoiler here. The only... And this is even an essential NPC. There's a robot called Yes Man that is needed to complete the game if you if you fuck up everything else. He's like your he's like your uh, get out of jail card because you fucked up the game too bad. Um, you can kill him, but since he's a robot, he just sends his programming to another robot body and comes back. Right. And that's the only character that so comes near back. Near automata shit right there. That's the only character that comes back. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's like like Lee said, if you said, I just want to fucking shoot Judy instead of talk to her, you absolutely can. It's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, you can kind of hit the road. After you talk to Trudy, you kind of learn what direction these guys were going. Uh, you can help out the town. There is a conflict going on. There's a guy hiding out in the town from the Powder Gangers, which are a group of prisoners who have taken over a nearby correctional facility. After they... Uh... It was owned by the NCR, yes, and they overcame their NCR uh, guards, you could yes. say, and they have taken over the camp and now formed a new gang. Now the inmates run the asylum. Yes, uh, as it were. so they're basically trying to strong arm this nearby community that you're to in give up this Good guy. Springs to yeah. give up the guy, and then also take over the town at some point. Right. Uh, so that's kind of the first conflict you're met with that you don't have to deal with. You don't. Uh, yeah. You can <laughs> either you can either side with the powder gangers. Mm-hmm. You can either sign with the town, or, or you could just say fuck it. Yeah, I'm gonna. Or yeah, you could do, you yeah. could say that you're gonna help Good Springs, and then you can say you're gonna help the Powder Gangers, and then just do right. one or the other. Either way, uh, we start the main quest back in the saddle. Uh, Sunny teaches you the ropes. Eventually, you learn you're gonna have to head south down the highway. It's a bit of a trek, not as the crow flies. There are some topography in the middle. If you head north out of town, it's into a death claw nest which are considered some of the most yeah, dangerous enemies and, in the game. Yeah, several NPCs yeah. are telling you, you could go north to get to the strip, but you're probably, there's, it's too dangerous. You'll get fucked up. Yeah, yeah. so if you're like, I'm a video, I'm an, I'm a I'm pro, an expert. I'm a pro gamer boy, I, I'm going to go north, you will get fucked up, and there's yeah. nothing you can do about it. Uh, the Pip-Boy tracks all your quests, it has your inventory, uh, it tracks your status, all the stuff like that. You're going to be picking up audio logs, letters, uh, all kinds of extra stuff to read there's the a lot radio. of yeah there's a lot of environmental storytelling in this game in particular uh, there are some areas of the game that are in, it is entirely told through environmental entirely. storytelling like Vault 11 yes uh, so when you decide to hit the highway here uh, I mean let's talk before we have to we have to end it for today I feel like we got a lot of the broad strokes out of the way yeah. and now we can talk about the specific areas of the game come next week but uh, with the powder gangers you can buy your way into there you can shoot your way into there <laughs> Uh, ultimately, you need to deal with the situation. It's good for some experience points at the beginning of the game. Or you uh, don't need to. I, yes, the, exactly like right. a, Most of my playthroughs, I never end up dealing with the power gangers. Yeah. Uh, it kind of depends on what you want to do. Obviously, if you have revenge uh, as your number one thing, I want to find this guy who shot me and left me in a shallow grave. Uh, I want to figure out the mystery of what happened to, to me as a courier. Uh, the place you're going to go next is Prim, uh, which yes. is south on the road, where, hey, guess what? Some raiders took over a, a, a casino there, and the NCR are too lazy. Are too lazy, or, or what, what happened? They just don't want to go back. in there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're kind of confronted with that. So 
Uh, in terms of the main quest, right off the bat, you can defend that town with the people of Good Springs against the Powder Gangers. You can side with the, the Powder Gangers and take over the town. You can do neither. Uh, you can, the game is already giving you all these options. And then within the quest itself, at any point, you can turn on the quest. Yep. Uh, so you can lead them both along until you you, you feel it is, now. now's my chance. Or just uh, like everything else, just like every other quest yeah. or anything in the game, you could just say, you know what, I'm just going to kill them both. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So the thing with the Powder Gangers is like you get an audience with their leader. And maybe at that point you're like, oh, I'm going to take this guy out and really fuck these guys up. Only it's a room full of 23 guys since the beginning of the game. Yeah, so Might not be in your best no, interest. But if you wanted to play that character where the ends justify the means, he could say, you know, killing 10 people in Good Springs is worth it to kill 100 people at... Uh... At a, right. at a prison. And the game isn't just about killing people. Uh, there oh, no. are dif- diplomatic solutions to a lot of these scenarios. And if your character is physically weak, uh, isn't good in a gunfight, if you went with a speech character like me and Reed do, at the beginning of the game, you are paper thin. Especially in survival mode, you will not take direct fire. And yeah. it's the fucking wasteland. Everybody's got a pull cue or a knife or a gun to shove up your ass. You gotta be ready. Yeah. Gotta be ready. And we will be ready. <laughs> Next week. Next week. When our conversation on New Vegas continues. You know, it's uh, going to be a, it's, there's going to be a, uh, a lot more story stuff to talk about now that we got a lot of the gameplay and mm-hmm. mechanics out of the way, which is nice. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, we're going to head south down the, I was the I-6 to Prim. Uh, the thing I also really like about New Vegas is there is a sense of an adventure right from the, like, you aren't going from point A to point B. Your confrontation with these people who have shot you is multiple hours down the line. You are just tracing yes. little traces of them. And just like yeah. the classic Western motif, you are... Blowing into town. Yeah, you yeah. are a drifter <laughs> going to different towns. And while they may know how to get how to get you to your next destination, they they also have a problem. That they want you, their pound of flesh. Yeah. yeah. They either You can either help them or don't help them, but either way, you're yeah. going to these towns, you have new problems to encounter before you move on to the next town and the next right. problem. So it depends on how you want to roleplay. Obviously, if you come across Manny Vargas and you're like, listen, man, I need to know where these guys went. He's like, I'll tell you once if you deal you t- with this ghoul problem. Yes, or you could just Pickpocket say, him. And yeah. he's got the information Or right you on. could break into his hotel yeah. room and just find it. Threaten him with a baseball bat, kill him, whatever the fuck you want yeah. to do. Uh, so I think next episode we will we will make sure not to continuously say, or not, uh, at the end of every quest. <laughs> uh, what we're trying to get across in this game is that the player agency is, is really important. Uh, Obsidian has written a game where at any point in any quest you can fucking walk away. Uh, and and it's and it's and, fine and, and yeah. everywhere in between there. Yes, you yeah. feel like you are influencing events by your own accord. Not that something is happening because of you or that it, it, you're the chosen one. That's not the case in this game at all. Yeah, uh, and you're and, definitely a gear in in the machine, but sure. you're not the machine. And it's yeah, cosmically the person who has shot you, Benny. Uh, we learn that he has big plans, and when it, either. When you meet up with him, it basically opens the game up to be... Uh, you can follow through on his plans. You can do nothing. You can... And it's amazing. Uh, and every time you get to that point in the game, you, you really kind of look at everything you've done. You're like, what would this character do? And that's what's fascinating about New Vegas. Yes. Is the role-playing happens to you whether you like it or not. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll be back with part two of New Vegas. Thank you for uh, signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. For myself, Lee, and for Reed, we'll talk to you again next week. Music.